0: First name, Laura, L-A-U-R-A, last name McKinney, M-C-K-I-N-N-Y.
1: Or is that a fresh glass? Mr. Cochran.
2: Thank you, Your Honor. Good afternoon, Ms. McKinney.
0: Good afternoon, Mr. Cochran.
2: Ms. McKinney, what is your occupation?
0: I'm a filmmaker in residence at the North Carolina School of the Arts School of Filmmaking, a professor of screenwriting.
2: And that is your present occupation? Yes. And you presently reside in North Carolina? Yes, I do. And uh, you're here today pursuant to a subpoena that was issued by this court? Yes. And how long have you been out here in California waiting to testify?
0: Three weeks and...
2: Sustained. All right, You're, you're here to testify today from North Carolina? Yes, I am. All right. Now, in that connection, prior to moving to North Carolina, did you live in California?
0: Yes, I did.
2: And how long had you lived in California prior to going to North Carolina?
0: since I was 12.
2: So a good part of your life was spent here. Yes. Is that correct? When did you move to North Carolina?
0: In 1993.
2: All right, when you were last here in California, what was your occupation then?
0: I was a freelance writer, and I worked at UCLA as a senior learning skills counselor and also at Santa Monica Malibu Unified (coughs) School District as a home instructor.
2: And how long did you have those two occupations, both at UCLA and at the Malibu School District?
0: I started working for Malibu School District in 1974, or 1973, and for UCLA in 19...
2: 83 All right. Now, I would like to direct your attention back to the month of April of 1985. Did you have occasion during that month and during that year to meet an individual by the name of Mark Furman?
0: I'm sorry, what what was the month again? Please? I think
2: April of 1985? Or thereabouts. It
0: was February. All right. 1985.
2: Let's yes. Specifically direct you back to February of 1985. <laughs> and did you have occasion to meet Mark Furman during that time frame? Yes, I did and would you tell the jury where you were the time that you first met Mark Furman? You might pull the microphone up a little bit closer to you.
0: All right. I was at a cafe in Westwood. I don't remember the name of the cafe, but I believe it was on Westwood Boulevard.
2: And uh, what happened? how did you happen to meet, meet uh, Mr. Furman at that time?
0: I was sitting on the outside of the cafe. There were tables on the outside, and I was sitting there. I was working on my laptop computer and a man dressed in street clothes came up and asked me about my computer. That was a fairly common thing for people to do then because this was um, a time when laptops weren't that familiar to people and and often people would come and ask me what it was and, and how you used it. So this man asked me what I was doing and what that was and I explained to him that it was a laptop and explained to him how it worked. And
2: All right, and this was in February of 1985? Yes. All right. Thereafter, during that conversation, did you have occasion to uh, were you strike that? Were you working on some particular project at that time?
0: At the time?
2: The time when you when first I, met uh, Detective Furman.
0: I was transcribing some notes. And at the time, I was thinking about developing a story about women in police department and to what extent they were successful in, in different, different kinds of areas. I was thinking of particularly areas of high crime.
2: All right, now after you first, first met uh, Mark Furman in February of 1985, did you thereafter uh, have further meetings with him after your initial meeting in February of 1985?
0: Yes, I did.
2: All right, and tell us about those meetings. And did you, at some point, uh, engage him as a consultant or an advisor for a screenplay you were working on?
0: Yes. All right, I did. tell us about that. During our first meeting, Officer Furman, at that time, he told me he was an officer, and he was interested in my idea of working on a story about women in on the police department and the extent to which they could succeed in areas of high crime. Officer Furman had very strong views about the extent to which women, some women.
3: All
2: right, next question. Well, did Officer Furman have views about uh, the ability of women to succeed in high crime areas?
0: Yes, he did.
2: What were his views in that regard? No. Oh. Give me an answer.
0: He had strong views about women's ability to be able to succeed in areas of high crime, feeling that some of them were not capable of that. And during this particular first meeting, he told me that Objection he will... Sustain,
2: All right. so you had- So you had a conversation during this first meeting. Um, you were able to garner some of his views about women in law enforcement during the first meeting. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Right.
2: Did you, at or during that first meeting, Make some arrangements to meet further with uh, Mr. Furman regarding his views and whether or not he could help you with interviews that you might want to conduct?
0: Yes. All
2: right. Well, tell us about uh, what you did in that connection. Did you retain him at some point?
0: I didn't retain him. I asked him if he would be interested in helping me give some ideas, some personal views that might help generate some. thoughts about characters and police procedures and other areas that might be useful to me in helping understand the kinds of frustrations that men had on the police department and women and possibly some of the cover-ups that might occur in conjunction with that. And he agreed to help me in that, to that extent and give me some of his personal views, some ideas that he might have, and so we agreed to meet again and tape the interviews.
2: All right, and um, you told him you wanted to tape the interviews that you conduct with him, did you? Yes. And uh, did you tell him why you wanted to tape the interviews? Yes. And why was that?
0: He was giving me a great deal of material that would be hard for me to process, to understand unless I listened to it, because I had to understand it sequentially to be able to write it cinematically. So sometimes it was police procedure, Sometimes it was different kinds of things people were saying, and it would have been difficult to take copious notes and actually listen to him attentively.
2: All right, now, these interviews that you had with Detective Furman uh, were all of those interviews taped, as best you can recall? Yes. And to tell the ladies and gentlemen of the jury over what period of time did you conduct these taped interviews with Mark Furman? after your initial meeting with him in February of 1985?
0: Approximately from the beginning of April, April 2nd I believe, through July 1994.
2: So over almost a 10 year period of time, you had taped interviews with this man, is that correct? Yes. Now, with regard to these interviews, what did you call these interviews with, with, with Mr. Furman?
0: Interviews with Mark Furman.
2: And in talking with this uh, man, what were you trying to get from him? Were you trying to get information
0: from him? I was trying to get some idea of the frustrations that some men who belong to a particular group called Men Against Women on the police department, some kind of frustrations that they might have that would cause them to want to join a group like that, and then try to understand.
2: She's answering the question.
1: Finish your answer.
0: Then try to understand as well some of the areas in which women might feel frustrated by being stonewalled and embarrassed and humiliated by men.
2: Now, in that connection, before you started taping these interviews, did Detective Furman know that you were taping these interviews? Yes. And um, did you give him any, would you tell him, strike that, what did you tell him with regard to how you wanted him to talk? Did you want him to talk? freely and openly to you and use words like police officers use or what? sustain. And what did you tell him about the kind of conversation or about the kinds of things you wanted him to to share with you regarding police work?
1: You can answer the
0: I told him that I wanted to write a fictional piece based on fact and so it was very important to me that I have a really clear idea of what some police officers would say in a given situation so that the instances that he would give me would be as factual and realistic as possible.
2: You asked him to be factual and realistic, did you? Yes. Now, in that connection, after you would, uh, before you would have a meeting with Detective Furman, would you ever provide him with any questions? The kinds of questions you would ask during your actual meeting?
0: Not for every meeting, but For our second meeting, the meeting after April 2nd, I compiled a list of questions based on some of his responses to that particular interview and sent them to him along with the interview so that he could refer back to some excerpts in the interview and then be prepared for some of the questions that I might that we might want to talk about, anything that he might feel comfortable discussing in our next meeting. So I didn't always All right. include questions.
2: But on occasion you did, is that correct?
0: Yes. Let's talk about
2: your procedure with regard to the, the taping of the interviews. Uh, after you had taped the interview and the interview had been had concluded, would you then do something with regard to transcribing uh, those tapes?
0: Yes, I would take the tape back home and put it in my transcribing machine I have a, a cassette transcriber a professional cassette transcribing machine and a micro cassette transcribing machine which allows you to modulate the the speed of speech and also the volume and it has a foot pedal so that you can rewind at your leisure and, and review things that you're not sure about so then I would put whatever cassette i was using in there and transcribe it within a day or two of the interview for my records
2: now with regard to your transcribing uh habits had you had a job prior to this time prior to 1985 were you done transcribing before that
0: yes i did
2: what what job did you have in that connection
0: during college i worked through, well, not through college, but through a large part of it for a few years at retail credit company. It's a place, was in Van Nuys, and I was a professional transcriber.
2: So as a professional transcriber, you knew how to transcribe at the time you set about to transcribe these tapes. Is that correct? Yes. And with regard to that, did you try to get, the, did you transcribe it accurately as best you could? Yes, I did. And why did you want to transcribe it accurately? How would that be helpful to you?
0: Well, again, initially, I knew very little about the police department, and I was doing other extensive interviews and research, ride-alongs, lots of research at uh, the Los Angeles Police Academy. But when someone was going to be be telling me specific events or issues that I needed to understand clearly, I would need to take that down as accurately as possible so that when I refreshed my memory, the details that I would give would be accurate, so that when someone would read it, or hopefully see it as a, as a feature, they would know that it was an accurate, well-researched project. So it was very important for me to transcribe the interviews accurately.
2: Did you, at the, at the outset, uh, in 1985, um, was there a difference in the way you transcribed in 85, and later on, let's say, in, in 1988 or in 1994? Is there any difference?
0: Yes, there is there is a difference. Can
2: you tell us about that briefly?
0: Again, in the beginning, I wanted to be as precise as possible. Also, I was developing the story. But as the outline of the story became clear, and the treatment, which is a, a narrative short version of the story, as I understood what that was about, my questions to Officer Furman at that time were sometimes more topical, so that when I would transcribe it, I might leave out my question, and I might just put in the topic. It also had something to do with the fact that I had just had two children during that period of time, from 1986 to the early 90s, and was married, and was very busy. So I didn't take as much time to transcribe my questions and all the finite kinds of details. If people interrupted us in the restaurant, I would keep that out.
2: Did you ever at any time in transcribing uh, these transcripts ever substitute a word or put a word in that Mr. Furman didn't say?
0: Not intentionally, no.
2: Now you try to be accurate, is that correct? Right? Yes. Your Honor, I'm going to ask if I can approach And this has previously been marked uh, another hearing, 1364. I want to just ask her a couple questions regarding it. I want to place before you, um, defendants 1364, which I believe it indicates Furman questions round two. Would you tell the jury just briefly what that is, Ms. McKinney?
0: This is the, an example of the questions that I gave Officer Furman after our first interview on April 2nd, 1985. This is what I sent to him in conjunction with the tape transcript of that first interview.
2: All right, now, with regard to this, um, you told us about the interviews with Mark Furman. You've also told us that you're working as a result of those interviews on a screenplay called Men Against Women. Is that correct?
0: That's correct.
2: And, uh, the, was a subplot of your screenplay, Men Against Women, dealing with racism at all?
0: No, it was sexism.
2: Uh, you were dealing with sexism, is that correct? Yes. All right, now, with regard to the taped interviews, over the 10-year period that we've been talking about, do you remember how many tapes you actually transcribed over that period <laughs> of time?
0: Again, please, how many tapes How I many, many trans- tapes were actually I-
2: transcribed over the 10-year period? How many hours?
0: Oh, 11 to 12 hours of tape. All
2: right. And uh, I presume during these 11 to 12 hours you tried to be as accurate as possible, right? Yes. Now, with regard to the 11 to 12 hours, did you ever at any point inadvertently tape over any of the the tapes? Yes, I did. All right. Would you tell us uh, how many, if you recall?
0: I taped inadvertently over two tapes.
2: And would one of those be the first tape?
0: Yes, when and was the first.
2: When was that? When was that first interview?
0: The first interview tape. that was taped was April 2nd, 1985.
2: Now, in April 2nd, 1985, uh, would I be correct that after you, the interview was conducted with Detective Furman, you then transcribed it within a day or so?
0: Yes, that's correct.
2: And in seeking to transcribe it, was your memory fresh at the time you transcribed it? Yes. Uh, did you personally transcribe it and seek to record everything he had said? Yes. And were the resulting transcripts, or transcript, a true account of what Mr. Furman had said during that interview?: Oh.: Yes.: And finally, was this transcript an accurate record of uh, what was on the tape?
0: Yes. All
2: right. Now was there another time that there was another um, tape that was inadvertently taped over later on?: Yes. And do you remember the number of that one? Do you recall?
0: I believe that was tape number
2: nine. Was that a later time?
0: Yes. All right.
2: But with regard to tape number nine, if I were to ask you the same questions, did you seek to transcribe that tape within a day or so after the interview? Yes. And did you at that time uh, personally do that? Yes. You strive to be as accurate as you could? Yes. It was a true account of what the, Mr. Permanent said? Yes. And it was an accurate record as far as you knew. Is that yes. right? Yes. All right. Now, The last interview you had with this man was uh July 28, 1994. Is that right? Yes. Where that interview take place?
0: That interview took place in Alice's restaurant in Westwood.
2: Now, during the time that you talk with uh, Mr. Furman, during this 10-year period of time, did he ever use the uh, racial epithet, which I'll call the N-word, during the course of your conversations with him? Yes, he did. And in the course of your preparation of your testimony here today, can you tell the jury how many times you've counted that he used that word?
0: Approximately 42.
2: 42 times? Yes. And when he would use this word in the court, strike that. In what circumstances would he use this word in, in being interviewed and talking to you?
3: Objection. Um, well, Here's
0: the Well, the, the tapes were, the interviews were confidential. I mean, Officer Furman certainly didn't think that. Objection. I would...
1: All right, this answer is
2: non-responsive. Okay. We me, rephrase me, the question? Let me rephrase the question. Um, can you describe for the jury under what circumstances would he use this uh, so-called N-word? What was he talking about? Police procedures? What was he talking about?
0: Oh, I see. Um, that the word would come up in a conversation when he might be talking about how an officer might deal with a suspect or a police procedural issue, or how an officer might be talking about someone in administration, just in general, normal language.
2: Next question. All right, and when you would hear this wor- these words of this particular epithet, um, would that have an effect upon you? Certainly. And what effect did it have upon you? You may answer.
0: It's a base epithet. There's no way of doctoring it up and making it sound better. It's offensive, and I didn't feel good about it hearing it. However, I was in very much of a journalistic mode and knew to be able to get the information that I needed to, to be able to acquire from Officer Furman, I would need to not react, not to be judgmental about hearing some of the very base, offensive kinds of things that I would be hearing.
2: Next question. All right. So you didn't agree with the use of these words, is that what you're saying to us?
0: No, I didn't All agree right. with the use of them.
2: All right. But you were in a journalistic mode, so you sat there and listened to him as he as he went on, is that right? Sustained. Well, Did you say anything to him about using these words at that time?
0: No, I did not.
2: Okay. And uh, in the use of these words and other things during he was talking to you, will you describe his experiences in police work? Could you ask the question again, Certainly. please? Sorry. In the use of uh, these words and during the course of the interview, did Detective Furman describe his experiences in being a police officer? Yes. Now, with regard to the 41 or 42 times that he used the so-called N-word, can you describe for the jury how he appeared as he used this word? Oh on. You, you may answer. You, you can a answer. question?
0: Could you ask it Again, so I, understand I, understand it, I understand, but, yes. but right. I think
2: during the 41 or 42 times that Mr. Furman used the word "nigger," did you did you tell us how he appeared as he did that? Objection. Oh, Give me an answer.
0: When Officer Furman used the word "nigger," it was in a very casual, ordinary pattern of speech. It was nothing extraordinary, it was just conversation.
2: And did, as he did that, did you have a sense of uh, how he was using it? Fake. Let me see, did he appear to be joking when he was using that word? we we'll phrase the question. Well, when he, when he used can, the word, ask we he, Ask her to describe the demeanor. Yes, thank you, thank you very kindly. Would you describe the demeanor of Detective Furman or Mr. Furman while he's using this word <laughs> in 41 or 42 times? Oh, well. You may answer.
0: He was using it in a, in a serious fashion. It was some, a word that apparently he felt
2: sustained. Right. You may answer the question. Let, let me ask again. Can you describe and I want you to paint a word picture for the ladies and gentlemen of the jury of how he appeared when he was using this word. It's 41 or 42 times that you recall. Your best description. You may answer.
0: When Officer Furman used this word, it was in conjunction to many of the things we would be discussing, and it was in a a serious manner. It was not lighthearted. It was something that he would use in normal conversation.
2: All right. When he used this word, did he appear to you to be uh, was it using it in a way that was insulting? Oh, you may answer that question. Was it insulting? Was oh. wasn't. In, Go ahead.
0: Was insulting to me? The word is insulting, and and when he was using it, he was using it in a, in a demeaning, derogatory fashion. I, I I don't know that he would think it was insulting, yes. but I don't know. That.
1: You've answered
2: the question. All right, you've answered the question. Did he use it in a disparaging manner? Oh. on. May I answer that?
0: Yes, it's a disparaging word. He was using it in a disparaging fashion.
2: In the course of the time that you came to interview this man over 10 years, did you ever form an opinion of whether or not he was a racist? Sustained. Or did he use this word in a racist manner? Sustained. Did he use this word in a vicious manner?
1: I think negative, disparaging, uh, insulting. I think that pretty much covers it.
2: All right. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. With regard to uh, how this man referred to African Americans, did he ever use any other words in referring to African Americans? Yes. What were those words?
3: Objection.
2: 1054. You may proceed. Oh rule.
0: Bubba, anthracide.
3: Anthracide?
1: Yes. No, I'm going to strike the last question and answer. Disregard that. That's an, that's an area that's beyond. All right. there we are. I thought we were going into okay. something quite All different right. than that. Oh we
2: Now, with regard to the 42 or so instances in which this man used. This offensive word. Some of those words are on tape. Is that correct?
0: That's correct.
2: And you've heard those tapes, have you not? Yes. And you can, if I were to play at least one of those tapes for you, you can identify the Mr. Furman's voice, could you not? Yes. Now, with regard to do we have two two excerpts, Your Honor. We would like to play at this point, if we could. I think that. Uh, we have transcripts for the two excerpts. One of which is on tape. One of which is not. I'd like to pass those out to the jury if we can, Your Honor. Let me get a look at those.
1: Uh, they can be. The transcript can be passed out. Although it is, Mr. Cochran. I'm sorry. Given the time it will take to pass it out
2: and collect it. It is it is something we can't put on the album. Well, well it'll be up on the screen also, but at some point I'd like to mark it, Your Honor. But there's the next as I our like next. To, I'd like to see it. If I may. Do you have a copy? Uh he has a copy. Mr. Douglas gave him a copy, so look at read his own copy. May I may I mark that as our next, Your Honor? Thirteen sixty seven. Thirteen sixty seven. All right. Now let me just inquire, Your Honor, know, if I might Mark, uh, as the defendant's next, 1368 as the tape that uh, Mr. Harris will be playing. Yes. Mr. Harris has some speakers, Your Honor. He's going to move at this point, if the court pleases. Let me ask a question while he's doing that, Your Honor. Now, with regard to, may I give her an excerpt, Your Honor, on the excerpt? Too? Yes. Do you have one up there? I've got mine. <laughs> well, you're <cute. coughs> That's
0: good. Idea.
2: Thank you. With regard to uh, these two excerpts, you shared with us there are some 42 or more instances where he uses this offensive word. Uh, this first one, with regard to this, um, this first instance that we're going to be seeing shortly, can you give us uh, some background? I'll use, I'll use the. Uh, I'll read it to your honor and ask her to give us some background regarding this. And this particular one, I believe, this is one where uh, the, it was taped over, and we have just a transcript. Is that correct?
0: That's correct.
2: And with the question, the quote by Furman is, we have no niggers where I grew up. Do you call him saying that? Yes. Is that a fair and accurate portrayal of what he said? Yes. And what, what tape was that where he made that statement?
0: That was during our first interview.
2: And that was the one you described for the jury, this was taped over?
0: The first taped interview, April 2nd, 1985.
2: And with regard to that particular one about uh, having no um, african american square, he grew up, uh, can you compare that with the other 42 others from a standpoint of, of, of how, how he used that word and that compared to the others?
1: That's a vague question well, as well, I don't know I, that
2: anybody can really answer well, that question. Let me, well, no, I, I, well, let me try again. Rephrase yeah? the question. Okay. With regard to this, uh, this instance where we have no blank where I grew up, do you have that in mind? Yes. Can you compare that with the other 42 times or so that he used this uh, in the course of your interviews? The if di- there any difference between how I use the term there and the other 42 times or so?
3: Objection.
2: The oh, okay. You may answer.
0: Yes, there's a significant difference here. This particular example is the least offensive and inflammatory in comparison to the others.
2: All right, now with, re- okay, All with. All right,
1: re- I'm gonna strike that answer. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a judgment that is not appropriate at this point in time. you to disregard that last question and answer. Next question.
2: All right, Your Honor, with regard to, let's move down to the, the second incident we've been allowed to use that, that for Furman speaking they don't do anything, they don't go out there and initiate a contact with some six foot five inch nigger that's been in prison for seven years pumping weights. Do you recall Mr. Furman saying that to you at some point?
0: Yes, however, I believe. All
2: right, next question. You do recall that? And that is on tape, is it not? Excuse me. I understand. Let me just look look at my question, Ms. McKinney. Do you recall that being said, Ms. McKinney?
0: I recall that being said, yes.
2: And was that said, were you present during that interview? Yes. All right. And was that an interview where you had another person present with you, Ms. Lori Diaz? Yes. All right. And you were present there, is that correct?
0: Yes. You
2: heard Detective Furman, in interacting with Lori Diaz, make the statement I just read. Is that right?
0: That's correct. All
2: right. Is that what you wanted to tell us?
0: Yes, that is. All right.
2: (laughs) And if you were to... See these, um, hear this on tape, would you be able to identify uh, Mr. Furman's voice? Certainly. And would you, I don't know if we're going to hear Ms. Diaz's voice or not, but you could identify his voice, is that correct?
0: And Ms. Diaz's as well.
2: Okay. Farewell, Your Honor. If the court pleases, may we uh, have Mr. Harris put up the. Uh, I want to go back and ask a question regarding the first one. It's not on tape. Then we'll have Mr. Harris play that. May I have we- not-
3: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Sorry, correct. May I have an opportunity to hear what they're going to play, given the possibility of other voices on the tent?
1: No, I think we've all had sufficient opportunity at this point, Mr. Darden. With all right, Mr. Harris, do you have your headphones available there? Yes,
3: sir.
1: All right, would you play that quickly for Mr. Darden, please?
2: While he's doing that, can we pass out the exception? he's doing it?
1: Do you have a copy for, uh...
2: <laughs> Mr. Harris it's found it. He's indicating it's not coming through his headphones. That's a problem.
1: Well, I'd like to have Mr. Darden have the opportunity to. Uh, we have to do this with the, without the headphones. In other words, he can't cue it up just on a system through his headphones. Is
2: that right? Yes. Can I cue it up without the headphones, so or with the It's not playing through the headphones. It's a problem. It take less than a minute, Your Honor.
1: All right, let me ask the jurors to step back into the jury room for a few moments. You recollect the excerpt?
3: I believe I've heard it before, yeah. don't do it. All
1: right, let's <laughs> have right, the jurors please, Deputy now I'm sorry? Five-thirty. Five-thirty. It's not a foundational
3: objection, that is the data that... Uh... <clears throat> data
1: you ask a foundational question oh, I did this is the
2: first one. The first one was in april of 1985 and the second one you oh, the this second one. one this just this one in particular okay do you know when the second one is? yeah Matt approach ladies and
1: gentlemen be seated
2: mr cochran you may conclude for the day yes your honor thank you may i ask a couple of foundation questions and we'll play it Ms. McKinney, the, Mr. Furman said, uh, We have no niggers where I grew up. I think you've indicated that was in the early part of 1985? Yes. All right. And the statement about uh, prison and six foot five inch people, when was that?
0: That was approximately the same time, later in that month of April or possibly in the beginning of May of 1985. Of 1985,
2: yes. All right. Ms. Terrence, are you ready? All right, let's start with the one that does not have a
3: tape. They don't do anything. They don't go out and initiate a contact with some 6 foot
1: 5 nigger for seven
2: years pumping You recognize the voice of the person who was saying they don't do anything, they don't go out there and initiate a contact some six-foot-five-inch nigger that's been in prison for seven years pumping weights? Who said that?
0: Officer Mark Furman.
2: When did he say that?
0: in April or early May of 1985.
2: And that was his voice. Is that right? Yes. No. With regard to these uh, tapes and transcripts that we've been talking about, after the, the first interview that you had with Mr. Detective Furman in February of 1985 that you described for us. I showed you yesterday a series of questions which you sent to him prior to the second interview, is that correct? That's correct. And that second interview would have been in April of 1985, is that correct? Correct. Along with uh, the questions that you sent him, did you send him a transcription of the tape of uh, of an earlier meeting or any transcription, do you recall?
0: I sent him the transcription of our April 2nd, 1985 meeting, our first taped interview.
2: All right, and you sent that to him, and did he ever, as far as you know, Make any changes at all on that transcription that you sent him? No. Now, later in 1985, did you have occasion to prepare a series of transcripts that you had prepared from the various tapes you'd conducted and send those to Mr. Furman? Yes. You tell the jury when that was, ma'am.
0: That was sometime in mid-June. I don't remember the exact date, but at that time, I compiled all of the transcripts from our interviews and put them in a three-ring binder with indexes and dates similar to the way I was logging the transcripts and and keeping them for myself.
2: And uh, did you give those to him or mail those to him, or what did you do in that connection?
0: I gave those to him in the binder.
2: Did you ever at any point get any of those uh, the transcripts that were in the binder back from him with any changes? No. And uh, so that we're clear about the, what was inside the binder, it contained uh, some hours of, of the transcriptions of the tapes you'd had with this particular individual. Is that right? That's right. Did he ever give back the bound volume to you? No. So as far as you know, he still has it. Is that correct? Well, uh, as far as you know, he still has it, right?
0: As far as I know.
2: Now, yesterday, we talked about um, Mr. Furman's role as a technical advisor or a consultant. Was he to be paid if the screenplay was ever sold by you? Yes. And what was that compensation to be?
0: $10,000.
2: Has that screenplay been sold? No. And with regard to these tapes or interviews that we call interviews of Mark Furman, uh, you have not tried to sell those tapes yourself, have you?
0: They're not for sale, no.
2: You're not trying to profit from those tapes, are you? No. Now, with regard to um, the references of the so called N word that we talked about, uh, we talked yesterday, and I think the two examples that we were able to play for the jury, I think you said it occurred maybe in April of 1985, is that
1: correct?
2: Objection. The two examples occurred in 1985? Yes. And do you recall the first one was the first one about where he grew up, when was that?
0: That was during oh, our. We this
2: Perhaps so, Your Honor. It's leading to another question, Your Honor. All right. Thank you. When was that?
0: That was during our first interview. All right. And the second, second one,
2: I'm sorry, the second one was also in 85? Yes. All right. The use of this word by this man, however, continued through 1988. Isn't that correct? It's leading. 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 Oh, thank you. Let me, let me ask you another way. Did um, were there times after 1985 in the course of these interviews that you had with Mr. Furman that he continued to use this word? Yes. And, and how long did it continue to you to go on? Over, over. You may answer.
0: In the transcripts through 1988.
2: All right. Thank you. Now, I think you've already explained to us that the last interview was in. July of 1984, 1994. That's correct. After this case it occurred, is that correct? Correct. Now with regard to um, yesterday, just briefly, we talked about the fact that you'd inadvertently taped over um, the first tape and also maybe number nine. Is that correct? Correct. The transcripts that uh, we talked about, had the transcripts been made, before the tapes were uh, uh, inadvertently taped over?
0: Certain, yes. Right.
2: So you completed your process of doing the transcripts before you then taped over the, uh, the actual tapes. Is that correct? That's correct. Right. Now, in these interviews that you conducted with um, Mr. Furman, did you ever at any time uh, ask him to embellish or enhance what he was telling you? Over. No. In fact, what did you tell him in that regard, if anything? Over.
0: I told him that I wanted realistic scenarios and responses to what may happen relative to the development of the story and characters.
2: And in talking to you, did he relate his own personal experiences as a police officer? Sustain. Well, in talking to you, can you describe what he did with regard to his personal experiences as a police officer? Sustained. You were talking to uh, this man because he was a police officer, isn't that correct? That's correct. And uh, why did you want to talk to him? Has been. All right, in addition to talking to uh, Mark Furman, did you talk to other police officers in and around this same time?
0: Yes, I did, approximately 15.
2: Fifteen police officers. Yes. Did you talk to? Did you go to the police academy?
0: Yes, I went to the Los Angeles Police Academy and talked with physical training people who worked with cadet patrol women there, and I went on ride-alongs and talked with other police officers as well.
2: And why did you do these? Why did you do these things?
0: It was important to balance the. My understanding of the frustrations, as I mentioned before, that the women were feeling the reasons why they wanted to become officers and some of the obstacles that they faced, the very real obstacles that they faced on the force and with dealing, dealing with some men who who might belong to a group, men against women, who didn't want them to be officers, I needed to have a clear understanding of the realistic kinds of obstacles they would okay. face
3: it is true that you and i uh, have met before correct
0: that's true yes
3: Um, um, you uh your husband your attorneys miss clark miss lewis mr hodgman and myself we all met on august 17 i believe in in the da's office is that correct
0: yes i believe that was the date it's august
3: 17 1995 yes and uh we had a discussion about the transcripts and tapes and epithets that you've described here today and yesterday, right? Yes. Okay. And it is a fact, isn't it? That is, that Mark Furman used these epithets in 1985, correct? Yes. And in 1988, correct? Yes. Now, the two gentlemen seated here uh, behind me. Who are these two gentlemen?
0: Mr. Ron Reguan, Mr. Matthew Schwartz. They're my attorneys.
3: Okay. And they are entertainment attorneys?
2: I check I the chair.
3: Sustain. You told us a little while ago that the tapes and transcripts were not for sale. Is that correct? That's,
0: That's correct. correct. Oh, no.
3: May I re-ask that? Uh, I think she answered the question. Okay. Okay. Um, they are entertainment lawyers.
2: Objection, you know, Your Honor. Sustain.
3: Isn't it true that Mr. Redwine and Mr. Schwartz have been uh, attempting to sell those transcripts and those tapes? Objection, Your uh, Honor. Just 35 oh, well. uh, I Overruled.
1: Objection, Your Honor. Also. Overruled.
0: I can answer the question? You can answer the question. The question is, isn't it true that they have been attempting to sell those tapes and transcripts? Yes. Yes. No. That's not true.
3: I'd like to show you. You may have a moment to confer with counsel. Yes. Have you been attempting to sell any audio tapes other than uh, the Furman audio tapes?
0: No. Okay.
3: Have you been attempting to sell any transcripts other than the transcripts of the Furman audio tapes?
0: That question is vague to me. Could you rephrase it? It makes it sound like I'm attempting to sell the tapes and transcripts, and I'm not. So I'd appreciate it if you'd rephrase it.
3: What's next in order? I'm
1: sorry, 603. People 603.
3: I have a four page document. It's dated August 18, 1995. It is entitled Non Disclosure Agreement. It is on the letterhead of Reg Juan and Schwartz uh, in their law offices. Uh, may I approach the witness, Sean? You may. May I remain for a few moments? Yes, sir. Let me show you what has been marked. People 603, please. You, you can take it. Is that document entitled Non Disclosure Agreement? Yes. Is it on your attorney's letterhead?
0: Yes, it is.
3: Is it dated August 18, 1995?
0: That's correct.
3: And you are their client?
0: I am. Okay.
3: And paragraph two in that document does it read as follows?
2: Object. Check the
3: foundation. Uh, this and this document. That document is addressed to Dove Publishing, is that correct? That's correct. To the publisher himself, Mr. Beener?
0: I don't know that he's the publisher. It's addressed to Mr. Michael Beener, yes.
3: Were the tapes, the permanent tapes, submitted to uh, Michael Beener at Dove Publishing?
0: No, they were not. Was there an attempt to submit them to him? Not to my knowledge, no. Okay. Look at the last page of that document, if you
3: will. Is there a signature at the last page?
0: Yes, there is.
3: Okay. And uh, can you read that signature?
0: It's Ron Now...
3: If you could turn back to the first page, please. Does the document contain the term uh, sustain? No sustain. Foundation. Have you ever spoken with Inside Edition?
0: Have I ever spoken with Inside Edition? Yeah. Yes. Could you define what Inside Edition is? Is that a tabloid or television show, newspaper, periodical?
3: You're not familiar with the term Inside Edition? I've heard
0: the term, yes. I've heard Wait. I have heard Inside Edition, but I would like you to define it for me, please, so I'm clear in my response.
3: It is a television program. Have you ever ever spoken to any representative uh, from Inside Edition, the television program?
0: No, I have not.
3: Okay. When did you bring those tapes to California? Can
0: you call the date? When we were subpoenaed, we flew to California on July thirteenth, 1995, and my husband and I brought the tapes (coughs) and gave them to the court.
3: Now, the document in your hand, you've never seen that document? No. Did you authorize your attorneys to sell the transcript? No. Did you authorize them to sell the audio tapes? No. Have you ever discussed with anyone selling the audio tapes for one-half million dollars?
0: Have I discussed that with anyone?
3: Yes.
0: No, I have not discussed it with anyone.
3: Have you given, given your attorneys the authority to negotiate for the sale of the Furman tapes?
0: I've authorized my attorneys to determine the value of the tapes, yes.
3: Okay, and is that what that document uh, relates to then?
1: You can answer
0: the Thank you. I would assume, although I have never seen this document, that that's what this relates to. It's a non-disclosure agreement.
3: Doesn't the document say that the tapes are submitted so that Dove Publishing can decide whether or not they want to purchase?
1: Sustain. Sustained.
3: Is it indicated anywhere on that document that the tapes are being submitted to Dove Publishing so that Dove Publishing can help you ascertain the market value of the Furman tapes?
0: Would you ask the question again, please?
3: Where, if anywhere, on that document does it indicate that the Furman tapes are being submitted to a publisher so that the publisher can help you determine the market value of those tapes.
0: Firstly, I have never read this document. I've never seen it. I would have to read it to be able to answer that question clearly. And um, the, the tapes and transcripts were never submitted to Dove Publishing. They have only been given to the prosecution and the defense.
3: If you weren't interested in selling the tapes, why then did you meet and confer with others to determine the market value of the tapes? Okay. Or,
0: or. Again, please, then.
3: The question is this. If you weren't interested in selling those tapes and transcripts, why then did you have your attorneys go out and and, and attempt to submit them to publishers to determine the market value? the document
1: sustain phrase the question
3: if you weren't interested in selling the tapes why did you have your attorneys contact uh, a publisher
0: it's important to know what the the value of the tapes are and I authorized my attorneys to do that
3: and that's because you were considering selling the tapes at the time
0: no I wanted to know what the value of the tapes were and my attorneys advised me that it was in my best interest and they would be negligent as attorneys if they didn't let me know exactly what the value, market value of the tapes or, and or the transcripts would be. Keep in mind I've had a great deal of material leaked and that's an aspect that I would certainly want to be considering.
3: In addition to uh, attempting to determine the market value of the tapes, you also had your attorneys attempt to determine the market value of your transcripts of the tapes as well. Is that correct?
0: That would be correct, yes. I believe, I thought that's what this document was referenced to, certain transcripts I believe you have highlighted in yellow. <coughs>
3: Was it your testimony yesterday that you were offended when you heard Mark Furman use uh, that epithet? Yes. Now when you met with uh, Ms. Clark and Ms. Lewis and Mr. Hodgman and myself um, on August 17, do you recall me asking you what you thought or what came to mind when you first heard uh, Furman use that epithet? Yes, I do. And you told me that nothing came to mind, is that correct?
0: That's correct, that I couldn't remember anything coming to mind the first time. Your question was, what what came to mind the first time you heard that word, I believe?
3: But you couldn't remember what came to mind at the time?
0: No, that would have been about ten years ago. I could not remember the first time I heard that word used, what came to my mind
3: you couldn't remember a white police officer using this epithet in your presence and you're not being offended mm-hmm.
1: by it? to form of that question. Sustains it's argumentative.
3: argumentative. You understand that that word is the most vile word in the English language?
0: I think it's one of the most vile words in the English language, yes.
3: You think they're worse?
0: Yes, I certainly do. Why are we having this adversarial relationship? I don't understand that. It's a vile word. Why do I have to define it more so than it is?
3: You wrote a screenplay, right?
0: That's accurate.
3: Did you use that word in the screenplay? Yes. Did you attempt to go out and sell that screenplay? Certainly. that word in your screenplay to help make money, right?
1: question.
3: Are you trying to make money off of the use of that word?
1: Jack, follow question. Or will. It's an appropriate question.
3: When you met Detective Furman, you told him that you were a screenwriter?
0: That's accurate.
3: And you told him that you had written other screenplays? Yes. And how many screenplays have you written up to this point?
0: I've written about a dozen screenplays, approximately six that I would would consider that would be in appropriate shape now to be read. But I've written about a dozen screenplays, more treatments, synopses. Okay.
3: And how many screenplays did you tell Furman you had written when you first met him?
1: Well, it seems as I can that she told me.
3: Did you tell Detective Furman how many screenplays you had written uh, when you first met him?
0: I don't recall telling him how many screenplays I had written, but it could have come up in conversation that I had the year before won an award for a screenplay through the Writers Guild of America East Foundation. That could have come up.
3: Um, Do you have to be a member of the Writers Guild to, to win that award? No, you don't. Are you a member of the Writers Guild? No, I'm not. You've had one screenplay published or made into a film?
0: Have I had one screenplay made into a film? Yes. No.
3: Have you had any made into a film?
0: I've had short pieces filmed, yes.
3: Okay. You had a short piece called The Painter?
0: Yes, I did.
3: Okay. And who made that into a film?
0: That was directed, produced by Playboy Productions.
3: (laughs) And who directed that film?
0: Daniel McKinney.
3: Your husband? That's correct. And this piece was a, was what? A sort of soft porn kind of a piece? This is not
1: relevant. This is not relevant.
3: When Mark Furman used these words in your presence. Why didn't you just tell him to stop?
0: For the same reason I didn't tell him to stop when he told me of police procedures, cover-ups, other information that I felt were important for me to have a clear understanding and context of this material that I was writing. He told me many things that I thought were Important for me to understand many things. I hadn't been aware of as did other officers of the Los Angeles Police Department As did many of the other interviews that I did and ride-alongs. I went on. I was in a journalistic (coughs) mode I was not judgmental and I needed that information to help me write a more realistic journalistic piece and I did not ask him to stop using the type of normal ordinary language he would use or other officers would use. I needed to know how he would speak.
3: You told us yesterday that there was no racial subplot to the screenplay you were planning to write, correct?
0: That's accurate.
3: And yet you use this epithet in your screenplay anyway. Is that also correct? That's true. Now, your relationship in 1985 with Mark Furman, was it only professional? Oh,
0: he was, it was i pers- pres- pres- I'm sorry, it was a business relationship, he was a technical advisor for the screenplay. And that is it? Yes. About
3: cover-ups uh, a few minutes ago, is that right? I'm sorry, again, please? Did you mention the term cover-up a few minutes ago?
0: I did, yes. Okay.
3: And uh, what you were alluding to at that time was a discussion you and Furman had as it related to women police officers, is that correct?
2: to uh, that question, right?
3: <coughs> Is that correct?
0: Again, please. I'm sorry.
3: And what you were alluding to was the conversation you had with uh, Detective Furman as it related to female police officers and the LAPD's recognition that female police officers did not perform well in violent situations. Is that right? Objective forward.
2: Objective forward,
0: of Some LAPD officers, and also in relation to police procedural Cover up issues that I needed to know about.
3: Do you recall during our, our August 17 interview that Ms. Clark asked you specifically what you meant uh, when you used the term cover ups?
0: You know, yeah, I do. I, yes, I do remember us discussing that.
3: Okay, and do you recall her, strike that, and do you recall telling her that what you were referring to were cover ups in terms of the LAPD's recognition? and cover-up of the fact that female officers did not perform well in violent situations or words to that effect?
0: I don't know if it was Miss Clark or Miss Lewis who made that comment. It was one of them.
3: Okay. But that was basically your response to them at the time? Yes. Okay. Now, you asked a moment ago uh, why we were involved in some adversarial relationship. Do you recall asking that?
0: I felt that you were. I don't feel adversarial towards you, but I felt that there was something negative coming from some of your questions. Yes.
3: OK. You didn't stop him the first time he used the epithet, no, correct? It has. OK. Well, you didn't stop him the 20th time he used the epithet. That has not. a oh, rule. We'll- correct?
0: That's correct.
3: And you didn't ask him the 40th or? 42nd time that he used the epithet, correct?
0: I didn't abridge his dialogue or conversation during an interview, no.
3: Given the fact that you've included this epithet in your screenplay, do you you feel that it's appropriate under some circumstances to utter or use this word?
0: Do I personally feel it's appropriate? Yes. No, I don't.
3: Why then? Included in a screenplay, a screenplay that you intend to make into a movie.
0: Because it's reflective of a particular officer's or officer's dialogue, feelings at a particular time. It's representative of what would be said.
3: That's all I have. Mr. Cochran?
2: Ms. McKinney. Yes? You don't like racism, do you? No. But you understand that racism exists in the world. Are you aware of that?
0: Yes, I'm aware of that.
2: And the fact...
1: Excuse me, these are argumentative and
2: leading. Proceed. The fact that Mark Furman used the... the N-word more than 42 times... The whole world. That make you agree with him when he's using those words? Did you agree with him when he was using those words in that base vile manner? Of course not. You described for us that you were working as a journalist at the time, is that correct? That's true. And with regard to your screenplay, Men Against Women, you told us yesterday that racism was not one of the not even a subplot, is that correct? Oral. Is that correct? That's true. And so when these, these words, these vile, insulting words came up, you weren't saying these words, were you? No. Who was saying these words?
0: Officer Verman. And
2: hey, Ms. McKinney. Who was Good
0: we morning, might Mr. might continue Kirkland. on. Ms. McKinney,
2: uh, you had shared with us, in fact, I think on cross-examination, you said that you've been out here since uh, July 13th. Was that correct? Was it July 13th?
0: No, it wasn't correct.
2: What, what's the correct date?
0: August 13th.
2: It may just seem like July 13th, is that it? But you've been here since August 13th? It's
0: been a long time.
2: All right. And uh, is your family here with you?
0: Yes, my husband and boys are here.
2: Now, ma'am, with regard to your coming to California, uh, did you voluntarily come out here and bring your tapes and transcripts out here so you could come to California and testify?
0: No, sir. I was subpoenaed by the court.
2: All right. And when you were subpoenaed by, a subpoena issued by Judge Ito in this court, Did you resist and fight that subpoena?
0: Yes, I did.
2: And tell the court and jury what you did to fight that subpoena.
0: I hired Mr. Rayguan and Mr. Schwartz and they... Two gentlemen seated there. Two gentlemen seated there. And they flew to North Carolina and fought the subpoena in court there with Mr. Cochran and Mr. Bailey.
2: So in other words, you first met me in North Carolina about a month ago, is that right? That's correct. And you fought this subpoena at that time, isn't that correct, Winston-Salem, North Carolina? Yes. In fact, you won in the initial hearing, isn't that correct?
0: My attorneys did, as well as a local firm with which with whom they were working.
2: All right, and thereafter...
1: Mr. Mr. Carmen, I think there's a, there's an impression here, you said that you were in North Carolina, I think, Needs to, be made, needs to be made clear to the jury that you were on one side Mr. Regwan and Mr. Schwartz were on the other side. Yes, Your Honor. Thank, at you, that thank time. you, thank
2: Thank you, thank we were in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Friday morning, uh, you had your two fine lawyers, Mrs. Regwan and Schwartz, right? That's correct. Plus local counsel there in Winston-Salem, Yes. Right? And on the other side was myself, Mr. Bailey, and our local North Carolina counsel. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. All
2: right, and then at that point, The judge in North Carolina ruled for you, so you wouldn't have to come to California, isn't that right? That's correct. And then we continued to fight this matter and it went up to the North Carolina Court of Appeals, isn't that right? That's right. And that's where we won at that point, is that right? By by we, I mean uh, Mr. Simpson's side won at that point. That's correct. And I presume nobody was reimbursing you for the money you were spending. Lawyers aren't free, are they?
3: Objection,
0: irrelevant.
2: Nobody was, in other words, nobody was helping you pay for these lawyers you had back there, were you? No. And at some point, uh, when the North Carolina Court of Appeals upheld Judge Ito's subpoena, you then agreed to come to California, is that correct?
0: I don't believe I had a choice, certainly. I.
2: Right, know it was when the final court ruled, you then came to California, is that yes. right? Yes. And that was only after then when you produced and delivered these, these tapes, is that correct?
0: That's correct. All
2: right. And once you came to California with these tapes and these transcripts, the same date that you delivered them to the defense, Mr. Simpson, you also delivered them to the prosecution on that same day, did you not? That's correct. You tried to cooperate with them, didn't you?
0: I wanted to cooperate with the court, the prosecution, and the defense, yes.
2: In fact, Mr. Darden asked you that uh, if you came to California on August 13th, Was it August 17th, as he asked, that you came down in this building in the DA's office and met with all the DA's and talked to them, isn't that right?
0: That's that's right.
2: And at that meeting, they tape-recorded everything you had to say, didn't they? They did. And you also gave them a copy of your screenplay, didn't you? Yes, I did. You cooperated fully, right? Yes. Now, with regard to your work as a screenwriter, you described for Mr. Darden that you'd won an award at some time in the past uh, through the Writers' Guild of America, tell the jury about that award and whether or not there was a cash stipend that went along with that award. Over. you may answer:
0: Yes, uh, it was an award I won in 1984 through uh, the, the Writers' Guild of America East Foundation, so it was a competitive award for original screenplays and there was a cash stipend, and along with that a, a a request that you write another screenplay with a mentor of your choice, the cash stipend I used to purchase a computer and my laptop.
2: All right, and you've done other screenplays in addition to this one, Men Against Women, isn't that correct? That's correct. Now, you've shared with us in this jury that the premise of Men Against Women is sexism, is that correct? Yes. And um, are you opposed to sexism? Yes. yet you write a play about sexism, right?
0: That's correct.
2: And would you describe for the jury why, as a writer, you write a play about sexism?
0: (coughs) It's a topic I wanted to explore from the man's point of view and a woman's point of view to try to understand better why some men would be so upset by what they felt as the incapable uh, abilities of some women in areas of high crime—that they would form an organization called Men Against Women and, and be a part of that—and why some women would be upset with some of the things that men were doing and making it difficult for them to perform their jobs, embarrassing them or humiliating them. So I wanted to try to have t- to explore those issues and and develop some kind of uh, a dialogue or discussion.
2: Now, I'd ask you a question before uh, with regard to the whole concept of racism and writings regarding racism. Uh, during the time that you, 1985, when you first encountered this man, uh, Mark Furman, uh, you described for us, I believe, that you were employed at UCLA. Uh, working with Terry Donahue, is that correct?
0: I was employed at UCLA working under the auspices of Coach Terry Donahue in conjunction with the College of Letters and Sciences.
2: Right. Yes. And in that connection, did you work frequently with African-American athletes?
0: <laughs> yes, I did.
2: Would you describe for the court uh, what you did during that time and
0: the jury? The, uh, and, uh, Sorry, the NAA, what, the National Association, sorry.
2: NAACP? It. No,
0: not the NAACP. NCAA. It's a college. NC2A? Oh, uh, yes, NC2A. Thank NCAA. you very much. <laughs>
2: that was alphabet organization. Okay. Right. NC2A? Yes. Okay.
0: Had demanded that athletes be studying courses in their field of expertise and not taking any class. So it was incumbent upon the athletic department in, during that period to hire educators who they felt would be able to work with athletes who, they, they, who were high-risk athletes, athletes that they felt might need extra counseling, extra tutorial time, and extra cu- times of t- understanding, time management, and study skills. So they, hi- they would hire someone such as myself to work with what they called high-risk athletes, and that's what I did during that time.
2: And would some of these high-risk athletes be African-American youngsters?
0: In the beginning, they were, yes.
2: And did you interact with them on a daily basis? Yes. you enjoy that work? Very much. Now, you were asked some questions about a document that Mr. Darden marked, and the top of it is called Non-Disclosure Agreement. May I approach you? May. And uh, do you know what a Non-Disclosure Agreement is, uh, Ms. McKinney? Generally?
0: Generally, I do. And what is it? I've just recently learned what <laughs> um, It's an agreement that you would give to another party, and what it does is ask them not to discuss the material, not to show the material, not to copy the material. They cannot disclose or talk about the, the product or the material to anyone else.
2: As I understand... Is that it, accurate?
0: <laughs> That's my I understanding.
2: Think, I think so. Uh, as I understand, the letter that I placed before you Uh, August 18th, 1995, from Mr. Michael Wiener, addressed to Michael Wiener from your lawyers. You had never seen that before Mr. Darden uh, showed it to you. Is that correct? That's true. And uh, with regard to, since you came to California, have you at any time ever authorized anyone to try and sell these tapes or screenplay? Strike that. These tapes or transcriptions? No. And uh, with regard to your lawyers, did they at some point tell you that would be malpractice if they didn't try to find out for you what the value of these tapes and, and transcriptions were. Did they tell you that?
0: Yes, they did.
2: And did they try to find out the value of these tapes and, and transcriptions? Yes. All right, Mr. Carpenter, do you need to stand there no, because no you're
1: blocking your right. number seven there? Uh, thank,
2: you. Right. Now, thank you. Now, in that connection, even though you've now found out the value of these items, and I won't ask you what the value is, you still have not tried to sell these, have you?
0: No, I have not.
2: What you do want to sell is your, is your screenplay, Men Against Women, isn't that right?
0: Yes, that would be lovely. <laughs> right.
2: That's what you want to do, isn't that right? Yes. Now, right. yeah, ma'am, you mentioned uh, response to one of Mr. Darden's questions about um, specific cover-up as relates men against women. Um, and I want to ask you, in that regard, Uh, What did you mean when you talked about um, cover-up as it relates to men against women in this um, screenplay that you ultimately wrote? Can you tell us about that?
0: Yes. One of the reasons why I was discovering that some women were having a difficult time being accepted into the police department in certain male circles...
2: Being responsible. you make a In
0: in certain male circles, <clears throat> was that some officers didn't trust their confidentiality, their ability?
2: All right. Next question.
1: Next question.
2: Uh, well, can you continue and tell us? Can you can you answer the question, please?
0: Okay.
1: It, it is turning into a narrative. Once you ask him the next question,
2: Council. All right, turn. Uh. When you, Mr. Darden, asked you about the, this cover-up as relates men against women, can you succinctly state for this jury what you meant and what you had reference to?
3: Yes. I'm
1: going to object. Go ahead and answer the question.
0: Some women on the police department were not willing to sure. follow I'm sorry. the.
1: No. Overruled. Answer the question, Mr. McKinney, please.
0: Some women on the police department were not willing to adhere to some of the cover-ups that men were...
1: Ask another question.
2: Well, you said that some women on the police department were not willing to adhere. <coughs> Honor, I mean,
1: you this is not the topic, Counsel. Let's let's redirect back into that topic.
2: All right, Uh, with regard to this uh, subject of cover-up, can you tell us uh, what you had reference to, uh, specifically in the area that Mr. Darden asked you about cover-ups as relates to women and men on the Los Angeles Police Department?
3: Objection, the question is vague, 352. Mr. McKinney,
1: we're speaking about the specific topic about the controversy about women as police officers in areas of high violence or high crime, the topic of your book.
0: Right. Okay, that's, that's the sexism issue that relates to why women were unable to cover up some issues the same way men were, and it's, it's related. Actually, they're Jeff? interchangeable. Oh, I, they're interchangeable. Sexism was what I was looking into, but what I found gosh. out was related to cover-ups that men were purporting
1: finish the question finish, finish the answer, the answer
0: sexism was the issue that interested me it was what i was looking into but what i was finding is that Overruled. what i was finding was that sexism is inextricably related to certain cover-ups that some men on the police department are Doing and some women are not able to agree with that or follow along those lines, and that was a huge schism between men and women.
2: And in that connection, can you give us like an example of this, of just kind of this schism uh, between men against women, at the, where there was a result resulted as a result of cover-up?
3: 352. You know. sustained.
2: Sustained. We've covered it. Another question in this regard, your honor. <clears throat> Did uh, Mark Furman ever explain to you why he wouldn't trust a woman uh, in this, from the standpoint of cover-up? Sustained. It's not relevant. Now, Mr. Darden asked you a lot of questions about uh, why you didn't stop Mark Furman or using this N-word or whatever. Do you recall those questions? Yes. And uh, is there any doubt in your mind now as you sit here that Mark Furman used this horrible word uh, 41 or more times during the times that you were talking to him? Any doubt in your mind at all? No. No. And those were his words coming from his mouth, is that right? That's correct. Those weren't your words, were they? No. And I may, before I conclude, may I, may I approach this for a moment, please? With the corporate, please.
1: Thank you. Mr. Cochran. Uh, Two other questions. Your Honor. Uh,
2: when you indicated that uh, Mr. Furman had used this word some 41 or more times, um, how do you know that? Did you count them yourself? on the transcripts and the tapes?
0: No, I did not count them.
2: All right, you've seen them, however, in the, in the various and sundry documents filed with this court. It's deleting. Okay. Have you had occasion to review any documents filed with this court with regard to the use of that word? No, this is or will.
0: Yes, I've reviewed the offer of proof submitted by the defense. The right.
2: Basis. Right. you And you've counted those documents, right? Yes. All right. Now, I have nothing further at this point, Your Honor. All
3: right, thank you. Mr. Kenney, you testified in North Carolina on July 30, is that correct?
0: Um, I don't recall the exact date. That sounds
3: Would it refresh your recollection if I showed you a transcript? Are the dates wrong on the in the transcript? At any event, are you aware that the DA's office attempted to subpoena these tapes from your attorneys on July 14?
0: Again, I, I don't.
3: I... Are you aware that the DA's office obtained a court order from the judge attempting to subpoena to this court these very same tapes from your attorneys judge, on July 14? No. Are you aware that on July 10th, the DA's office had, uh, addressed the court and advised the court of the existence of these tapes and sought guidance from the court in terms of recovering these, these tapes?
0: On July 10th, yes. the D. Uh, again, please.
3: Yes.
0: And did what? Could you say what you did again?
3: We went to Judge Ito and told him that we heard of the existence of these tapes and we asked the court for guidance and help in obtaining. These tapes and causing them to be delivered to the court.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not aware of that.
3: Just so it's clear, when was it that you authorized your attorneys to um, contact media entities, entities to determine the value of the tapes and transcripts? Yeah, Rephrase the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was it that you authorized your attorneys to contact any entity or any person or any organization or any business or corporation?
0: I don't recall a specific date that I authorized my attorneys to do that.
3: Do you recall which month? Which month? Yes.
0: It would have to be July or August.
3: Okay. Well, do you know which one?
0: No, I don't.
3: Okay. Was there any contact with the National Enquirer? What's by your attorneys? Did you have your attorneys contact the National Enquirer?
0: I don't know if my attorneys have contacted the National Enquirer. They may have. I don't know.
3: Okay. Did you have your attorneys contact media entities outside the, the United States?
0: I don't know. We were we were contacted by people I didn't even know, and my attorneys would relay that information to me. So I don't know if, for instance, the National Enquirer would have called my attorneys or or who would have contacted them.
3: Thank you. That's all.
2: Okay. <coughs> I presume there's been a great amount of interest in these tapes and transcripts by a lot of the media. Isn't that correct? That's correct. But you refuse steadfastly to sell these tapes. Isn't that correct?
0: That's correct.
2: And you've even sent some portions of these tapes to Mr. Mark Furman, isn't that correct? Back in 1985 or earlier? Yes. Thank you very kindly. Nothing further at this particular point, Your Honor. Mr. Dar- did, you say tapes
0: to Mark did you say, excuse me then? Did oh, I'm trans-
3: sorry, I'm, I'm sc- asking a question. Right. Mr. Dard. Uh, you said you sent tapes to Mark Furman? I sent Furman?
0: transcripts. Okay. To Mr. And Furman.
3: With regard to the tapes and the transcripts, uh, who owns those tapes and transcripts? You or Mark Furman?
0: I assume I own them. They're my tapes, my transcripts.
3: You have made these tapes
2: and these transcripts available to Mark Furman and his lawyer. Isn't that correct? Oh. Isn't that correct?
0: Yes, as well as to anyone else who's asked.
2: And the others who've asked can go to your lawyer's office and listen to these things, right?
0: Anyone who has standing who's There's asked.
2: Some standing like an LA agency Commission,
0: or whatever. LAPD, yes. All right.
2: Thank
3: you very much. The L.A. Police Commission has come over to take, a, to take a listen to these tapes.
0: That my attorney's office has been available for anyone who has standing, who has called the attorneys, to listen to the tapes and take copious notes on the transcript. They have spent hours, days there, taking notes. But they're under a protective order with only the prosecution and the defense actually having copies of the tapes or the transcripts. Okay.
3: in the United States uh, Department of Justice, have they been there to listen to the tapes yet? I don't know. Has the FBI been there yet? I don't know. They will be, won't they? I don't know. That's all.